Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away by the keeper, he could have caught that surely. It's to Everton's benefit because Mikalenko sends it in, and it's another punch from Neto. And sent back by Harrison. What a goal! Brilliantly done! Jack Harrison! Sublime! That was superb. The core for McNeil. Big chance here for Everton. It's Harrison. It's blocked and it's battered home by Decore and Everton are 3-0 up taking Bournemouth apart and Decore does it what pleased you most about your victory today? It's the win, of course, but it's also the, a lot of noise around the home form. We're correcting that today. We've got a lot of work to do. I think the fans deserve it for their backing of the team, um, and it's nice to reward them as well with a very good performance and a performance when, at last, the XG that I've been talking about, it pays us back. And I said to the players, you've got to keep doing it. The first Everton goal and a spectacular one. How did that feel when it hit the back of the net? I think it was a bit of a surprise myself, actually, but I was just... Amazed by the atmosphere there, and you know, even when Jimmy scored, it took me by surprise a little bit. So, um, no, it was great to get off the mark, get my first goal here at the club, and hopefully, I can get a lot more.
Hello again, Blues. It's the Toffee Web Podcast. It's the October international break, and it's one we Toffees can breathe a little easier in, perhaps. Everton finally won a game at home, dismantling Bournemouth and moving three points clear of the relegation zone. Like the wins at Brentford and Aston Villa, it was the kind of performance that suggested relegation shouldn't be an issue for this Everton side, provided we don't suffer some ungodly injury crisis. But then uh, we've been here before, and Luton at home happened. So, of course, uh, on the other side of the break, uh, has some tr- tricky fixtures as well in store, so perhaps we'll take it one game at a time for a bit longer. Uh, Adam and Andy are here with me to discuss it all. Adam, I'll come to you first. Are you feeling better about things after that result? <sighs> Just a little bit, mate. Yeah, it's um, it, particularly when there's an international break, you don't want it to really, really drag on, and particularly with the game that comes after the international break, not to get too <laughs> negative too early. Um, yes. Uh, let's let's bask a little, but it really makes things easier for this this period that we're in um, to, to 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 take a positive result, particularly after Luton. Um, if you'd have asked me before those two games, would you take three points? I wouldn't have been too happy about it, but um, and I certainly wouldn't have expected it to be this way around. I think Bournemouth looked like a side who, on the day, can trouble teams, but luckily for us, they really, really didn't turn up, and we most certainly did. So I think it it couldn't be the better tonic really after that um, after that previous home game, and certainly going into this break now, we can do so with some buoyancy, with some confidence, and with three goals at home. Um, as you alluded to, we've been here before, certainly. Palace at home springs to mind. Um, yes. <laughs> and getting too caught up in the uh, enthusiasm, but it at least allows us to breathe a little easy and certainly makes for better reading on the table, doesn't it? I'm glad you mentioned that game because it was almost to the week, was it, that we did that almost, last year? Yeah. Um, mm. And I was at Goodison that day and it was a sunny weekend on Merseyside and... It was one of those, as I've described before, one of those dreamy days at Goodison where everything just goes your way and the whole weekend was great and it just reminded me so much of that. I mean, I wasn't there this time, but that the whole feel of it reminded me of that weekend and to think that's a calendar year almost since we've scored more than one goal at home. Is that, was that the stat? That's I mean, correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and to do it in such similar fashion, I think is is incredible. Really, um, I just hope it goes a slightly better than it did from here on in last time. But it was what were we saying last week? There must be football fans up and down the country who actually look forward to match of the day. There must be football fans that have Saturday <laughs> evenings that like. Oh, do you know yes. what? I'll have another one, and I am having it because I I, I feel quite good about myself. <laughs> I was that fan. I was that fan on Saturday. I was thinking, yeah, I'll have a cider. Why not? And oh, better make sure match the day's coming up. Brilliant. And we, I might watch it Sunday morning as well. Um, it was just wonderful. And um, I think timing is everything because we'd had that stuttery start. We'd had two on the trot where we thought, okay, here we go. And then we had the Luton thing. And I just feel how all the cards fell this was a big game I know we did think it was a big game going into it but this was potentially season defining without meaning to be too dramatic Uh, before an international break before a tough run of games having come off the back of a absolute mess um, and I think timing was everything here and to do it like that not just a scrappy 1-0 or a scrappy 2-1 in the last minute. To do it like that, I think just... 
allows us all to breathe a little bit. And without meaning to be a little negative, I'd like to thank Bournemouth for their part in it. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were poor. Um, I thought we we really needed a team to come to Goodison and be a bit rubbish, to be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We needed a goalkeeper to flap at a few. We needed a defensive mistake to get us going, maybe. Uh, maybe I'm being overly critical, but I just felt like that set of cards just fell for us Saturday and we took full advantage credit to them credit to them they took full advantage but I just felt like we kind of needed that and we got it and and it was a huge relief um I mean even with the first goal I think to myself god Garner didn't really put it in the corner did he it, it, the goalkeeper kind of makes a very strange move to his right and then goes to try and cover his left and it could have all been so different defender not slipping goalkeeper not realizing what he was where he was in the goal it just went for us and the of course it was a much better performance of course it was a much better result and thank you for Bournemouth for arriving in such a state that was great <laughs> Yeah, I think in the interests of not getting too ahead of ourselves, keeping our, our feet on the ground, I don't think, you know, I don't think you are being too critical because, you know, we, we as I said before, we've we've been here before, and they it could have it could have gone quite differently had Bournemouth got the first goal, which it never looked like they would, and obviously there was that patch midway through the the first half where you kind of got into that Everton at home nerves period where the other sides the other teams having a bit of a bit of a spell um we uh switched off again at a couple of free kicks in exactly the same way we did against Luton and you could just see it unfolding in front of your eyes going uh Mikalenko there's a rather tall player standing behind you and it happened twice (laughs) um so I think from that perspective there are a few lessons that still need to be learned but the 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 big thing and the good thing about this was that we we finally made that uh, that offensive production, which still it's still surprising for a Sean Dyche team. The amount that you know the amount of chances that we create, the amount of shots that we're having at home. Um, a very few of us, I think, expected that to be the case under Sean Dyche. Um, you know, so, so so credit to him for you know leveraging the attacking tools that he has at, at his disposal, and um, you know we finally got the the luck that we needed we finally found the sort of cutting edge that we've been lacking and you know again let let this be the turning point in the way that Brentford and Villa weren't and in the way that you know Palace a year ago wasn't because you know Palace a year ago really did feel like a turning point it felt like with the the transfer window out the way we'd finally got a striker you know it wasn't a striker that we needed but we had a striker Neil Mope and we had a few a few pieces in place and we thought that you know Lampard having his feet completely under the table at that point that maybe we start to see the kind of fruits of, of his work you know start to start to start to show and of course things rapidly went downhill from there I don't think that's going to be the case this time I think that um, you know the, the first 11 is stronger the squad's obviously not as deep but the first 11 is very strong and I think you saw that with uh, Jack Harrison coming in, who the moment we signed him, I was really excited to see him because every time we played Leeds, he was like the one player that I was the most worried about because, you know, he's he's got energy and he can create goals and he can score goals out of nowhere. And lo and behold, mm-hmm. he pulled one out of the top drawer. Uh, so yeah, it was just a, um, it was just great to see them 
you know, clicking from an from an attacking point of view, and we'll we'll get into some of the individual performances in in a minute, I'm sure. Um, but it was yeah, great for a number of players and on a number of levels, and um, you know, it, I think uh, we've had our concerns about Sean Dyche and probably will continue to over the uh, you know the rest of the season. But this was definitely a uh, a big step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. It, it doesn't exercise all the demons for sure, but I think it certainly shows a value in scoring early at home and settling most nerves. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the first time we've scored in the first half hour of a game since we beat Brentford last season in March. It's the first time we've scored two first half goals at home since we beat Leeds in February 2022. And Moise Keane scored the second goal, so you know it's a long time ago. Um, so we're really... We, we've been wasteful, haven't we, really? We've been wasteful under Deitch and sitting under... Those Lampard years, uh, Barbo's few and far between performances against the likes of Palace, we 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 weren't clinical enough. And as you say, Lyndon, we are creating lots of chances. The Wolves game, uh, potentially the Luton game, they could also have been three nil home wins, and we'd all be, um, I don't know, looking significantly less strained and weary than we maybe are now. Speaking more about myself there than you guys, but it's <laughs> it, it's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's polite, <laughs> hold for applause. But um, I think <laughs> I think. Um, it it really it really does make a difference to have players on the pitch like Garner, like Harrison, who have the confidence as well to take on shots. We're having a lot more shots, aren't we? We're having shots from outside yeah. the box. Sadly, when Idrissa Gay's on the pitch, he's still having shots outside the box uh, for seemingly no reason whatsoever. But um, but the likes of Decore is having a go from distance. Um, the the Harrison shot, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more. It's it's a player taking one on who's two-footed uh, with a week of foot. That's something we really haven't seen. McNeil, you could add into that equation as well. Um, so that's really encouraging. And as you say, something that, if you'd have asked me before Sean Dyche joins, is that something I expect us to do, to create chances? No. Do I expect us to concede a lot as well? Also no. Um, which, <laughs> exactly. is, which is where that jury still remains uh, out. But it shows that when a side comes up against us and we're on song... We will rattle them, we will create chances and we'll get goals. And that, that will keep us in games and it will it will win us points. Last season we were playing with our hands tied behind our backs most of the season because of that lack of a clinical edge uh, at the top end of the pitch. So it might not always be 3-0, but if we, can, if we can stay in games longer and certainly at home, if we can score and score early, it will make everyone's lives a hell of a lot less stressful. Um, I wouldn't say I was totally relaxed, even in the second half. I listened to the second half on the radio driving, and um, there were a few roundabouts where I wasn't necessarily fully aware of my <laughs> surroundings because I was thinking, why aren't we putting this game to bed? But it's about as comfortable as you can be, I'd say, with, say, 20 minutes to go at home. Um, a very a very rare feeling, I must say. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can make more of those uh, more of those days in the future. Going to the team... I would say, I don't know what you guys think about this, was that the first time that Sean Dyche actually, this season, actually had his favoured team out there from the start? I mean, if you Um, think about, I mean, I I know obviously it changed (laughs) because someone got injured in the warm-up. So that's maybe one. That's his favourite team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But if you look at everybody in their positions, there's balance, there's hard work. There's a degree of experience in the key areas, but there's 
I, I just think that's probably got to be his first eleven, hasn't it? I mean, if you look at ha- what Harrison gives you and what McNeil gives you, that seems to be a bit more Sean Dyche than what Dan Juma might give you or Dobbin might give you or whatever, whoever's playing out there. Decore seems to be the one he wants to be joining the attack rather than a ball player because he's got a couple that he could try there. Um, I think, I don't know, if Seamus comes back fully fit, is he better than Ashley Young? Who knows? But it felt like, I looked at it, I thought, well, that is a decent side. And I think that's a decent side for Sean Dyche as well, you know? Um, it seems to do everything he would want to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that uh, the, the sort of treatment of Dan Juma in recent weeks suggests that you know Harrison is is easily his uh, his number one pick, and for the reason that you just stated, just provides that perfect balance of two uh, wide men who do the work, you know, do the the tracking back, support the fullbacks, uh, and I think that those two are probably in his mind in midfield among the first two on the on the on the team sheet whether it's his fa- whether it's his first i would love to know what his first choice is for the central midfield because as we know as we know he was going to make that change and and start onana on the bench and have Ghana and uh and gay in there um and yeah, it would have been interesting to see how how he would have performed had that gone ahead you know had, had gay not been injured in the warm-up uh I th- there's been lots of people suggesting that Gay is the one who should have made way and not Onana, um, and I. It's interesting because Onana performed. He he he, did, he was quiet to begin with, but the longer that game went on, the more and more he sort of grew into it, and became sort of stamped his authority on it in a way that we've really been hoping that he would, and so I think that you know Deitch has a um, has quite the selection dilemma on his hands now. I mean, Gay obviously getting injured, um, sort of helped make a decision for him, um, and I think. You know the the, the things that, that that Gay does the best in his own half. You know maybe he'll turn to him for the next one. You know at Liverpool maybe he's a just have a, a sort of a ball winner back in there, and and perhaps again again away at West Ham and against Brighton maybe Adrissa Gay is is the favoured one there. The question then is, do you then pull James Garner out of that central midfield again in favour of Onana? And I don't see how you can on the back of, you know, yesterday and, and, and over the weekend and at Aston Villa because he's looking like that sort of creative midfield force that we really, really need, starting to chip in with goals. So, um, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to have these problems. And I would like to know. Uh, whether he whether he does have a favorite eleven or as I you know just sort of alluded to that he's going to kind of do tailor that midfield uh, according to the opposition and uh, mix it around be interesting to see. Absolutely, yeah, I think Garner has absolutely stepped into that side and looked really comfortable. Um, I know L's been banging that drum. Yes, nice and Shame loud. He's not here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure when he listens, he'll be uh, thumping his chest and going finally. <laughs> Redemption, uh, but but he yeah. he does look really really comfortable, doesn't he? And he looks like he's got. I've, I've said this about Anana as well, and um, I think the same's true. Looks like he's got other gears to go into as well. It looks like there's real potential to develop. And even though you're right, Andy, it's it's not necessarily the best finish. It is quite close to the goalkeeper, and on another day, maybe the pass is the better option. But the fact that he takes it on suggests a real level of confidence that. Uh, sort of arrogance really that we certainly didn't see from 
the likes of Iwobi in the final third. Maybe sort of too arrogant at times from Iwobi. Um, I think it's a really good finish. He's two two goals already, and that's that's what Iwobi managed last season and the season before that. So if he can continue to be a threat from midfield, if you can chip in with a couple more goals as the season progresses, you'd expect him to get more assists as well and to be involved in the attacking play. But also, I'm really impressed with his athleticism and the way he gets around the pitch. Um, obviously, we saw um, where he's, he's hunger to win the ball back in the final third as well in previous games as well. So, really, really promising play. And like you say, Lynn, it's, it's a nice selection dilemma to have. I can see Idrissa Gay, if he's fit, coming back for the Merseyside derby. Um, would Garner drop out of that? Like you say, it's really hard to. Maybe it's a case of he tries to shunt him out wide again. I, I don't think that's the answer. It's not the answer I'd like, but maybe you find, a, find room for him. But isn't it nice to look at certain areas of a pitch and think, wow, there's someone who can come in if someone's suspended. In, in the case of Gay at the weekend, we have Anana to come in. Those are options we would would have killed for at certain times last season and, and previous seasons as well. Um, it's still a thin squad, don't get me wrong. There's yeah. a, a couple of injuries by if, say, Af- AFCON in Vienna January and then Anana gets suspended and suddenly ooh, central midfield starts to become a bit of an issue again. But for now, let's enjoy the relative calm of looking at the substitute bench and going, oh, there's there's options. There's people who can come on and affect a game and see a game out and offer something different. That's a real, real luxury that we've not been afforded for some time. Let's just field 12 at Anfield and see if anyone notices. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've uh, definitely fielded 12 at Anfield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I think if, going back to the Harrison thing, I, I think if it was still... Uh, Danjuma playing wide mm. I think Deitch might be tempted to put Garner there for the for the derby but now it's Harrison I feel like he's just, he, he will do what he wants him to do anyway so it, it will be very much who's going to play in the middle not who's going to play wide for me anyway um, the, yeah, going me back to the um, the James Garner goal it reminded me very much and on these fine margins we live uh, of Decore on the opening day mm. you know he's through in, in, Ironically, James Garner is there going, pass me the ball, and I've got to tap him. Decore <laughs> chooses to shoot and yeah. doesn't score. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, all these weeks later, Garner chooses to shoot and scores. And, you know, it, it could, you know could we, could we, we could be seeing a completely different league table. But it, it, those fine margins, really. Um, and also the fine margins of uh, the, the, the timing of all this. I mean, we're about a quarter of the way through the season. We've got one more game, really. But if you look at the table, it's from 13th downwards to 20th, it's the teams we thought would be there, right? So, you know, Fulham as 12th, and I'd say they would probably be too good this year. But then you've got Forest, Wolves, Brentford, Us, Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield United. Now, on Saturday, or over the weekend, we gained three points over Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Burnley, Luton, Brentford, and two points over Wolves and Forest. So in our mini league, we have just bolted, and we all know that we'd just like us to finish top of that mini league, wouldn't we? Or anywhere in the top two or three of that mini league. Um, and I just felt timing-wise, international break, the, the the league table sitting as it is, I think we look a lot more positive in that mini league than we did. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a very positive weekend from that point of view. Yeah. 
especially when you consider we've lost to one member of that mini league. Uh, well, besides below us, that is. Um, Wolves as well, obviously. We've lost to, and, lost to two of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then failed to beat, the and then failed to beat Sheffield United, yeah, so, who looked really marooned, it's got to be said. So, yeah, it's it's not a bad result. Don't do the sums like I did where you go, oh, well, what if we'd have drawn to those sides? What if we'd drawn to Wolves? Because then it's really no, it's I've really done impressive. them. I've done them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard not to because... Mm. We really did deserve more than we got out of the Fulham and Wolves games. Mm. You know, we really did. And if if you think if we if we'd you know held on at Sheffield United, how different you know how different things would be. But you know, I mean, none of us are really looking at that, looking at the top half as a viable you know, option. The the goal has always been to just to, you know survive, stay up, um, and the, as high the, the higher we can finish, obviously the better. If we finish twelfth. That's uh, what's that six six places. It's about twelve million, a bit more, twelve million pounds in difference, you know. And as we know, every little helps. Every little helps right now. Um, but yeah, uh, going back to the uh, some of the individual performances, I think although he didn't score, it was one of Dominic Calvert Lewin's most effective performances. And oh, what a difference it makes having him in the side, you know, just as not only as the as the target man. Um, you know, just the, the way, but even in that role, just pulling the ball down the way that he does. You know, a couple of those lovely drag, you know, sort of control and, and, and drag past the defender that uh, I think he did. He didn't one of those, a couple of those at Brighton in that five-one win. I think. Um, just yeah, he's just got so much technical ability that that uh, you know his his games really really come on despite the fact that he's not played that much football in the last couple of years. Um, you know, so he's maturing really well in, in that regard. Um, really would have loved him to, to have scored, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a really important, really important uh, player to, to what we're trying to do. And I think that's the difference of not only having him back, but having him back fully fit, working he his way sharp. He looks really, yeah. really sharp. And as you say, I mean, particularly the, the touch where he brings it down and has a kind of snapshot goal. I mean, it's real, real technique. He he's mm-hmm. not just a big man up front. We've got one of those as well, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I, who I, I kind of feel we really wax lyrical about, and then we've seen very little of since, really. Um, um, I think since since the launch of Beto, it's, uh, things have been uh, pretty pretty thin on the ground in that regard. Um, but, they jinxed him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah uh, listenership's down. But um, it, it, it would have been yeah really nice for him to get a goal, but I think the fact that he was spoken about as either man of the match or one of the better players on the pitch and, and didn't get on the score sheet shows you how important he was to that performance and um, it will also make a difference as well going into the derby um, after return of action because going into that game without any kind of focal point up front where we need someone mm-hmm. to hold it up where we need someone yeah. to rattle them we've seen with sides in the past uh, that he can he can win something out of nothing in those games so it, it, it will make a real real big difference um, and, and, and also another any of the other tough games coming up after that international break. We know we've got a tough run of games. There's no getting away from that. But on his day, he's a match winner, isn't he? So having him having him not just back, but really back. Um, and I'm, I'm really worried about jinxing it. So I am tapping wood on my desk as I say this. But um, <laughs> let's just hope he comes back unscathed. Fit. Well, he stays back, I guess. But um, yeah, but he keeps, he keeps that sharpness up because he's such an asset to the way we play. It's funny, isn't it? Because we've been speaking the last couple of years about like how good Dominic Carver-Lewin is and how much we miss him. 
but until you actually see him like that, you forget how good he is, actually. He's a proper player. I mean, maybe it's because we've seen a gradual development in him since he was a teenager, really. We've seen that kind of... When you see someone every day, you don't notice the big things, do you? When Whereas if yeah. he was a new signing... You, we'd be yeah. going, oh my word, well, what have we got here? But because he's gradually got to that level and we've seen all the kind of bits chiselled off over the over the time, I mean, yeah, uh, you, he's a, a proper fit scoring Dominic Carver-Lewin contributing like he is, is probably a bit above us of where we are at the moment. Um, I was yeah. going to say that, yeah. yeah. Uh, and in that squad, there are a few that might get there. I'm thinking of Branthwaite, I'm thinking of Onana, I'm thinking of Garner maybe. But he is the one that is just ready and there if he keeps if he stays fit. I think he is um yeah, he 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 would still be on radars, I'm sure, of clubs much far, further up the food chain than we are. Um so yeah, he he makes a huge difference and you know, we all said, "Oh wow, we've got two good Strikers and two strikers that kind of play in a similar way, and we can play a similar way to them. But there's a cut above there, isn't there? Yeah, and just on that, I mean, we've said we've said it before, but credit to Sean Dyche for seeing an issue that just needed to be resolved, and for ta- having the the patience to take him out of the side in a way that clearly his predecessors did not try to rush him back, even at. You know, at a time when he really, really needed Dominic Calvert-Lewin at the end of last season, he really, really needed, you know, someone capable of putting the ball in the back of the net. But you know, he he's he he realised that there was no there was no point in trying to push him through something that he clearly couldn't do. And uh, you know, the the players now are reaping not only the benefits of that decision, obviously the the medical department going hand in hand with that as well, but also you know Calvert-Lewin doing the work and uh, you know putting the uh, the hard yards in, as they say, to, to come back uh, fit and firing. And, uh, yeah, let's uh, fingers crossed that he now gets the, the run in the side that, that, that he deserves because I think I'm, you know, I'm not alone in, in fearing that, you know, we were just going to have this, this constant issue, you know, for the remainder of his time with us where he was just constantly struggling and constantly breaking down. So, yeah, again, tapping wood. I don't want to jinx it either. But, uh, yeah, full, full credit to him and, and full credit to Sean Deitch. But even under that strain, and all the what he's been through in the last two years, look at the two big moments really that kept us up in both seasons. Three two against Crystal Palace, heavily involved yep. in that. Five one away at Brighton, which let's be honest was the kind of result really that stood it stood us apart, doesn't it? I mean, he was uh-huh. so heavily involved in those two performances, and you know, even under all that strain, he has still managed to come up with the two amazing performances. Um, so yeah, you know, keep it rolling for the next ten, the next fifteen, the next twenty games, and then I mean, I can't see us being worried about our mini league. Yeah, that's the thing. You look at that that mini league, um, and it is nice to think as top of a league, even if it's that one. Um, <laughs> any league will do, but, um, but but you do look at look down it, and you think, well. I saw a bit of Luton's action um, of the weekend and saw that they were annoyingly wasteful in front of goal against 10-man Spurs. Um, <laughs> for him a two-goal haul at Goodison, obviously. But then you see Burnley, um, who do look like they've got goals, to be fair. But again, Bournemouth lacking a real 
prolific from um, same with Sheffield United. Brentford have obviously suffered uh, with Ivan Tony not being around. You, you you look at Wolves. There's only really sort of us and Forest who have a kind of inform striker, and we've also got someone in reserve who can come off the bench as well. So it, it's it's been the clear clear Achilles' heel for our side for a number of years. Again, it's all dependent on him staying fit. Um, but come in. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was me. That was me. That's with, fate um, knocking. <laughs> yeah. um, that was me touching wood. That's that's Newcastle with a cheeky January bid to derail everything. Um, oh God! But, um, um, but yeah, it it would it, it would just be the the real difference maker. I think um, we know we've got a, a sort of good squad on paper. We know um, if that back four gets a consistent run of games if we add in sort of covering the fullback areas it's probably a good enough back four to stay up in this league we know that as we spoke about central midfield we've got options with Jack Harrison coming in with the likes of Dan Juma on the bench we've got real options out wide if everyone's fit getting those four positions right and keeping Beto and Calvert-Lewin in and around the squad for as long as possible will keep us up Agreed. Yeah. Just block Amanda Stavely's number. That's what I say. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, look, looking ahead then to um, to the trip to Mordor on the other side of the break, I think that we've now seen, we've now seen, obviously at Brentford, and it's hard to, it's hard to look beyond what we did at Brighton at the end of last season that, you know, on, on our day that we can cause, you know, these, these better teams problems. And uh, we've, I mean, Calvert Lewin's done it before at Anfield. You know, he's gone there and he's he's caused problems and won won penalties. Uh, so, it's 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 not as daunting, I think, as it otherwise might be. And I think that we can go there. Can we go there, perhaps, with a little bit of a little bit of pressure off? Um, you know, because no one's expecting us to get anything out of that game. I don't think, or at least not much. So I kind of like that idea of of sort of going across the park. And of course, no one wants to lose a derby, but. With the expectation, with with very little expectation, I think it's the kind of environment that we can we can actually get something. Yeah, and they're, they're conceding goals. I'll say that about them. They, apart from the uh, game against uh, the Belgian side in the Europa League, and uh, it was the other Villa at home where Villa got rolled over. They've conceded in every game. They've conceded goals to the likes of Wolves, mm-hmm. um, to Bournemouth, um, to a poor. Chelsea side, um, two goals, um, two goals away at Brighton. So, we, we if if we create the chances we've been creating, and if we're not wasteful in front of goal, then who knows? Who knows? Like you say, playing with the brakes off a little bit um, under Dyke. It's not why I, I was expecting that in these kind of games, we would go away from home, we would shut up shop, and we would grind out a couple of nasty draws um, that's not really happened so far has it Villa Park Emirates last season it's not really worked we've been quite open so mm-hmm. whether he tries to counter that um, I I think with with the players that we've got play to your strengths and our, our strengths at the moment are creating chances are you mentioned it earlier with Decore Andy the fact is as a box to box central midfielder he's n- never really quite fitted into our system but in this roaming 
I don't know what role it is, but it, it, it works, doesn't it? It's, it's unorthodox, but it really works. And you can imagine a, a very um, tactically complex... Um, that's, a, that's the highest compliment I've ever played, Jurgen Klopp. But <laughs> so, someone who clearly thinks a lot about the game before it happens in a way that I don't... No, that's, that's unfair on Sean Dyche, but um, maybe overthinks certain games in the way that, say, Guardiola does, where every possible permutation is kind of accounted for um, mm. if we're making sort of broader stereotypes about football managers. Then how do you account for Abadar Decore? He's, he's, <laughs> he's enigmatic. He, he's here, there, everywhere. He's, he's so full of energy and running that one minute he's kind of defending and then the next... And, and, and so we've got that across the team, the, the Dwight McNeil chance where he clears off his own line and then is soon involved in attack with, you guessed it, Aladar Decore. Yeah, seconds I mean, later, yeah. The, the, the energy <laughs> to do that is... W- 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 that's, that's, again, something we've not really had too much of in the side, or, or if we have, it's clearly not been utilised enough. So that's where I think we'll have a little bit of joy. I think we've got, we've got players who don't necessarily do the things that they expect. You, you feel like sometimes... I don't know, like you see you see a bit of like Manchester United and I saw the analysis on Match of the Day where you saw they were just kind of getting good players in one-on-one situations out wide and then running out of things to do with it because mm. Marcus Rashford can only beat so many men before he has a, a shot at goal. Whereas we've got players who do sort of weird things who kind of <laughs> don't, don't, don't necessarily do what you expect them to do. And sometimes it's infuriating and... It's <laughs> so funny. It's so funny you use that word because I was just about to say that in my match notes I had written Decore is infuriating at times because he is because it's he gets himself into such great positions yeah. and that one that one obviously that one chance where it was almost a replica of Ghana's goal where he's he's through on the goalkeeper and he just this powder puff finish and it's like yeah. oh Abdullah but you know but he's the kind of player where. He needs a number of opportunities, but he's mm. always there, and he gets a number of those opportunities a game, and something falls for him. And what is it now? Eight goals in 25 games under Sean Dyche? <laughs> Having right. previously been completely binned off by Lampard, yeah. which you know doesn't speak well for Lampard, um, and obviously speaks well for Dyche. Absolutely, yeah. And it, it, yeah, ironic as well, because that was Lampard's four years a midfielder, goal-scoring midfielder, who kind of arrives yeah. late and gets himself, gets himself in positions, but yeah, like you say, he, he didn't give up. That that chance straight after half-time, that, that was kind of the moment where I thought, oh, is this where it goes mm-hmm. wrong? Because yeah. Bournemouth games really are do or die, aren't they? We either, <laughs> they either, <laughs> we either win them and it's great or we lose them and it's, it feels like the absolute pit. And certainly that was the case for Lampard, those, uh, both the League Cup game and the, and the League game straight after. Yeah. That really should have been... Uh, the death knell, really, shouldn't it? On uh, on reflection, but that felt like the moment where, oh, have we just made this really, really hard for ourselves? Is this second half gonna drag and drag and drag? But like you say, he keeps going. He gets himself in another great position, thumps one in off the stanchion, and he's pointing pointing to the name of the back of his shirt. I, you, you never would have foreseen this situation <laughs> no, under Lampard. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's a, it's it's a fantastic renaissance and. Um, as you say, can be very, very annoying. Um, as as can a lot of our players, but there's there's a sort of likability factor in that as well. There is when we win anyway. You're like, oh, Avil die. Oh, yeah. What are you like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thinking about the Liverpool game, um, I'm going to say something that makes no sense now and is a complete and utter contrast in the same sentence. But I feel like we've got a point to prove in the games with less pressure. And, And by that, I mean in the games where there's been pressure this season because there are teams around us and we feel, oh my God, we've got to win this one. We've got to beat Wolves. We've got to beat Fulham. We've got to beat Luton. We've got to beat Sheffield United. There's a lot of pressure around those games. We, we feel the pressure because we know how important the fixture is. Now, in the, in the games this season where there maybe hasn't been that same pressure in terms of the opposition we know are a lot better than us at the moment, I'm thinking Arsenal and Villa, really. Yeah. We haven't shown up, really. We haven't done anything in those games. And I feel like we would. I feel like I'd like to see a performance against Liverpool that we will probably come out the losing side. Let's be honest. But I'd like to see us do those things that we do against Bournemouth and against Brentford and against Villa in the League Cup. I'd like to try and see us do them in in more regularity in these games where we think well. Palace have gone to Anfield in the last couple of years and got a, a win, you know. Brentford have given the top six a real run for their money in the last couple of years. Why can't we do it every now and again? And I think that yeah. might be the next little progression because we're going to see how many of those teams in the next six, seven games. We're going to see quite a few of them. And, I, and I'd like us to be in the game in a way that we know we can be now. I, to me, I'd like I'd like to see us prove a point that we can take it from doing it against Bournemouth and Brentford to actually doing a version of it against Liverpool and Spurs and whoever else is coming. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that there was, I think against Arsenal, there was just a complete lack of belief that we could do mm. it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think against Aston Villa, it was, it was just, it was just kind of an implosion, wasn't it? We just really weren't at the races at all at any point in that game. Hopefully that there are these more recent performances, obviously looting aside, um, you know we can we can take a bit of confidence from that. I would just like us to be a bit more cagey than we were at Villa uh, mm-hmm. in the opening stages at Anfield. Just kind of get a feel for the game and don't don't go in there. You know, so many times we've gone in gone to the, into these derbies and and sort of tried to be the aggressor and ruffle some feathers and and you know and kick everything that moves. And it you know sometimes Liverpool just rise above that and then just steamroller us. And I think you know if we can just. Uh, just be a bit more a bit more settled about it and a bit more compact and yeah and really just try and use our strengths now and hit them on the break because you know as, as we've seen they are defensively vulnerable you know van dyke's not the player that he used to be um they've got uh, they've got weaknesses at the back and i'd really like us to um to exploit that and you know get the early goal which under Deitch is the the key <laughs> and then you know who knows what can happen silence the crowd a bit get under get under their uh under their skin a bit and uh, yeah see what happens yeah i won't say i'm looking forward to it but i am no cautiously i never do anymore no no um i don't know if i ever have in my lifetime to be <laughs> quite as, uh, but um but but you're right it is it is a chance for us to impose ourselves a little on the fixture and i think but in the right way as you say not in the aggressive, not in the Funes Mori style of let's let's just really <laughs> yes. um, let's do what I would do as a fan. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not being paid a hundred grand a week, so don't ever do what I'd do. Um, <laughs> do what you can do as a footballer, and I think maybe that's where the argument for having a James Garner in midfield really starts to make sense because as well as having the defensive discipline that 
Idrissa Gade brings and as well as having that raw, strange thing that Decore does, having someone in there who can mix it in both areas but also just slow things down a little bit, keep a cool head, pick the right pass, have that composure because that's that's something you really need in those games and he looks to be a player. I, I think Anana's in his category as well so I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be too disheartened if that's the decision that's made but having someone in there who can just keep that engine room ticking over in the right way as opposed to having lots of people running around like headless chickens which is kind of how you mentioned it with the Villa game it's kind of what happened it, it got very mm-hmm. yeah. very disjointed very fast didn't it um, and good players will take advantage of that Villa had good attacking players um, we did that against Bournemouth Bournemouth didn't turn up and we took full advantage those early early goals certainly it's it's a side who have flustered and part of that's what we did but part of that's um, Bournemouth came and didn't really believe in their own plan so we've got whatever the plan is I think we need to we need to follow it through and hopefully that's what we'll be working on in this uh, international break I suppose in that way it's a big day for Jared Brantford really because he Mm. has exuded this confidence and calm and whatever else if he can do that in the next game then that's a huge hurdle another huge hurdle that he's just sailed over isn't it um you'd like to think he approached it exactly as he's approached the other games he's played there's no reason why he wouldn't but with the likes of him Ghana, onana these all seem quite like you say quite comfortable with what's happening around them quite you know and we we we, we haven't had too many of those in the last couple mm. of years it's all been so frantic. Even the games we've won have been yeah. frantic. Or something mm. weird happens. Or Seamus Coleman puts it in from the corner flag. Or something like, <laughs> you know, there's been no kind of um, consideration and calm. And I think those two or three players, if they can play a, their own part in the way they have been, then yeah, it'd be nice to see um, that come together. And it'll be a calmer ride for us as well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Branthwaite's just unflappable, isn't he? He's just he's so yeah. calm for, mm. for one of the youngest players on the pitch. It just looks like nothing phases him. He just seems to be in just in complete control all the time. Mm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And obviously and obviously a new contract as well, I think, since the last time you guys recorded. So really really positive news I think really good business there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I, th- I think I said it in our group I think it's the best business we'll do all season tying him down I think he he really really looks the bee's knees and as you say Andy it's it's a great great test isn't it it's probably will, will it be the biggest game he's played in for us you could say maybe Chelsea away was a, a big one where he scored and um, and certainly some of the more recent games against the likes of Arsenal but I think it, it's 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 a real test, isn't it? But I'm sure mm. it's one he'll relish. He he looks like someone who fancies himself to mix it um, on the big occasion. So um, and and you know what as well? I can I can just starting to get you know a little positive now. You know, set piece. <laughs> Here we Don't go. Do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, in terms of who he's facing and where the game is, I think it probably is his potentially most high-profile game for Everton. I mean, you think of the occasions he's played, and he did play in that Brentford match where it went wrong for him yeah. the season before last. And that was a big occasion because, you know, if we get the three points that day, I think it was done, wasn't it? Um, mm. So, you know, there's, there was that kind of Pretty pressure much, yeah. and the, the anxiety around the game. So, yeah, I think, you know, 
certainly his potentially his the biggest stage he's been on for us. So yeah, I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine. Nothing, there's nothing there to suggest he won't be because he's just been flawless, hasn't he? Really? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be tough though because uh, I mean, unfortunately, Liverpool's forwards are in form right now, particularly Salah. Um, mm-hmm. He's always the the one you have to. Is worry he playing about, international but, uh, football in the next two weeks? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I hope, just hope. Just hope they're cramming in games. That's. I've not looked up Egypt's fixtures since Ibrahim Said's days uh, at the Blues. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're playing twice. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's a deep cut, that wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> anyone liable to take him out? You know. Uh, yeah, he's played Zambia and Al- Algeria. So. Okay. okay. Well. Mm. Best of luck to both. Best of luck to him. <laughs> yes. Best, best of luck. <laughs> All right. Um, let's let's finish off by bringing back our uh, our weekly question, which uh, this week is inspired by um, Mr. Jack Harrison and that wonderful uh, finish. So uh, I'll start with you, Adam. What's the last Everton goal that made you go wow? Most goals these days made me go wow, Lyndon. Um, <laughs> that played better in rehearsal. But anyway, um, <laughs> the. Uh, I was, I was, I was going to go for uh, another left-footed finish, because um, also we didn't really talk about that goal enough. It was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Really, oh. if, if, we're t- if we're talking about composure, to yeah. see that moment. Okay, it comes from another Bournemouth mistake, a bit of a, another dodgy goalkeeper moment, but the, the just the sheer confidence, just to lift the ball. Kisses a bar as well, yeah. Obviously, yeah. We've all seen it. It's a great goal. Um, the left-footed finish I was going to go for was another unexpected one from outside the box, and that was Mikalenko's volley against Leicester, um, oh, which good is shot, yeah. the last time I I, I, re- I didn't see it coming. I really, really didn't see it coming, and I'd, I'd, it's been quite pleasing actually recently. There were a few chances actually um, against um, against Bournemouth where Mikalenko got forward. It's great to see him getting in those positions. Does he look like the next kind of Baines or Dinu's going to chip in with a handful of goals every season? Probably not. But he clearly, when he wants to, when the moment takes him, he can really strike a ball. And um, that volley was fantastic and obviously a big, big, big result on the road that season. So, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a wow moment for me. How about you, Lyndon? Oh, I get to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the ones that, that came to mind initially, they're all Damari Gray goals. Um, but I, the the one against Manchester City, which I think might have been the last one, if we're talking about the last one. Um, but I can't really go with that one because it's I think it's the one of the few games, might be the only game in quite a few seasons that I didn't actually see because I was you know, trawling around Edinburgh at the time and wasn't able to actually watch it live. So I kind of knew. I knew what kind of goal it was before I actually got to watch it. Um, but then, obviously, your mind goes back to the one against um, Arsenal and the Benitez. Um, you know, just not only for the, you know, just the technique of it, the audacity of it, but the importance of it. Um, but I do like the uh, the Mikalenko one was, I mean, that was just a, 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 just a brilliant strike. Mm. Just a brilliant strike. And as you say, completely unexpected. Uh, and... I mean, we don't know that. I mean, we've obviously watched Harrison play for Leeds, so you know to say that we would have expected something from like that from him, probably not. But 
you, you kind of watch it back and you go, oh yeah, of course, you know, he's got that in his locker. Um, and uh, yeah, just, yeah, wonderful strike. How about you, Andy? Yeah, the Mikalenko one is completely in the spirit of what I meant here with, by wow, when you actually just, the, the, almost the shock of it going in is is the first emotion rather than the fact that Everton have just scored. Um, <laughs> I, I too had a Away. short list, a short, <laughs> I had a short list of four, um, two of them were Damari Gray goals, Man City and Arsenal. Um, I'm a bit like you, Lyndon. I didn't see the Man City one live, so I did with Arsenal, and that was a <gasps> like, mm-hmm. especially the time of the game as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, obviously, there was the Decore one against Bournemouth, but then that wasn't really wow. That was every emotion possible in a dictionary. So I, I don't think we can cla- <laughs> necessarily classify <laughs> yes. that as just wow. Wow was in yes. there, but I don't know uh-huh. what was going on at that point. Um, my body has not been the same since. So I'm going to go for Andros Townsend against Burnley. The one that was played oh, okay. to him centre of the field and he's bent it into the left-hand corner. I mean, it was uh, again, I was watching that live and... I just thought, I did just think, wow, what a strike. As soon as he hit it, you thought, that's got a real chance. And it just dips and bends and, yeah, um, that was a proper wow moment. And I thought, that, that is a, that's someone who's done that before. Um, so, yeah, th- those would be the ones that I'd, I'd look at. And I, I'll go with Andros, as you've, as you've uh, mentioned, Damari against Arsenal. So, we, we, see, we can do it. We can score goals that make you go, wow. <laughs> you can yeah we just don't have that many that we score from outside the box you know because no. it's you know it's all wrapped up into in the whole confidence thing and and sort of not wanting to be the one to you know balloon it into the stands when a better when a better option was was available you know um but i'm glad andros towns i got to mention because he scored in retrospect some quite important goals there yeah. early on in that season under benitez that that were kind of instrumental in the final reckoning and keeping us up and obviously you know then he sustains that uh that horrible injury because I think he could have actually been a very useful player for us, yeah. Um, you know, and and under Lampard, but again, you know, it's kind of those those sliding doors things that uh, I think in the long run we're probably better off that, you know, assuming we stay up this season that things kind of went the way they went because I think we probably would be uh, struggling along you know a lot more under under Lampard than than otherwise. So. Yeah, I do think though Andros Townsend could have still been doing a job now because Andros Townsend yeah. was very aware of what's going on around him and very, very good positionally, really. So I think he could have been, well, again, but then would we have got Harrison? So, you know, you can go back and forth yeah, all day, can't you? Can, you? But yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah I, but I think he's well worth a mention because I liked him and I liked him as a guy as well. I thought he, he came across really well. And he obviously enjoyed his time at Everton, and we we enjoyed his time at Everton as well. It's just a shame it ended like it did. Yeah, he's on trial at Luton, isn't he? So, is oh, he? Is he? Mm. Oh, that's yeah. good because I was going to say I saw that interview with him recently, or read that interview with him recently, where yeah. where he'd said that he'd sort of you know no one's knocking on his door because of his age and the and the injury, and I just thought you know I'm sure if he can, if he if he can prove his fitness, he's he's certainly got a lot to offer. So mm. yeah, interesting. As long as he doesn't play luck in the uh, return fixture, that's because that's one yeah, of those exactly. narratives you don't. Want. Exactly. Him and Barkley, yes. that's not. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> positive. Positive. <laughs> positive. Yes. Positive thinking. Yes. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Well, we'll leave it there. Um, enjoy the rest of your international break, and uh, we will be back 
probably um, after the uh, Merseyside derby. So uh, everything crossed, uh, we can pull, our, pull out the result in that one. But until then, take care as always, Blues. Thanks for listening, and up the toffees. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.